Hello and welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I am Jason Burmis sitting in for Sean Morgan. And today we're going to go deep into January 6th with Trennis Evans. Stay tuned. You guys may like individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with and you know you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. And there was the pathetic blubbering mess Adam Kinzinger talking about how the police held the line in the non-insurrection, in a joke of a committee, in a committee that wants as little transparency as possible, which we saw in their selection and rejection of actual Republicans that may have challenged the narrative. Instead, what we got was a Heavily Holly Weird produced committee showing YouTube clips, having people like Kinzinger crying and playing on the emotions of the public in order to demonize a large sect of the American populace and try to create an illusion of an insurrection on January 6th. But wait, there's more. They've decided that you and I, the American people, the general populace, will not get to see the vast majority of what was done behind the scenes, especially when we're talking about the thousands and thousands of hours of raw footage that took place inside and outside of the Capitol. In fact, they have now requested at least 20 years for this information to be withheld from the public. And if that's not problematic enough, we still don't know who the pipe bomber on January 5th was. You would think that video of an actual domestic terrorist that was planting quote-unquote pipe bombs throughout the Capitol would be of the utmost importance, but instead... You get memes out there that Marjorie Taylor Greene must have been responsible. A true misinformation and disinformation tactic, which was beyond laughable. But yet that crime and mystery remains. We have to wonder why. And we have to wonder where this is going next, especially with almost three years now behind us, we have people that are still being held in prison, sometimes in solitary confinement. Convictions are coming hot and heavy when it is in regards to this incident. And we cannot forget that the next step seems to be to try and criminally charge Trump on top of all of this with some type of insurrection and seditious nonsense. So coming up after the break to break all that and much more down, including the manipulation of social media to try to sell us that narrative is Trennis Evans. So we'll see you after this break 
on Making Sense of the Madness. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit kirkelliotphd.com. We are back, and now to discuss January 6th, how it has been utilized to condemn and criminalize a large sect of the populace, and much more, is Trennis Evans. Trennis, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's always an honor to be here with you guys at AMP. You do such a great job with your shows, so much great information. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate that. And... This story is far from over. As we just discussed, we now have the recommendation to the Department of Justice that these hearings should lead to criminal charges on Trump. We still have individuals behind bars, and many of these convictions are leading to sentences of 5, 10, and even 20 years on citizens who did nothing more but walk into the Capitol building as they were being waved in by police. What can you tell us about this? Well, you're talking about people being waved in by police. We have more and more evidence of that, that you guys are seeing, the American public are starting to see that's coming out. You know, you find that at places, um, our sites have been full of this information for, you know, over a year. Uh, you know, we're 23 months in here. We're going on, you know, we're going to be next just two weeks out from the anniversary date here, or less than for January 6th. And we've watched this atrocity for the entirety of the time. Uh, I got to tell you that I was just like the rest of the American public this time, um, you know, a year ago and a little change, maybe six months in, on in addition. And then I started uh, collecting data and information and seeing the footage. There was a lot of public source, a lot of open available media out there that people could have seen and become aware of. Of course, that's suppressed. And it was hard for us to even get anything out, even in um, any, well, anywhere for that matter. Um, there were places like AMP and, and several others that were actually taking an interest in this and digging for the truth. Let's be honest. Let's, I don't want to dispel any of the facts that there were people that acted, acted outside the conduct that would be becoming an American citizen. They made absolute gross errors in, uh, in what their behavior, and they should be held accountable. However, what we know now and what we've seen from what the Capitol Police and um, more or less the Capitol Police probably than any other agency involved, I think the bigger problems that you're going to see, or I don't think I know the bigger problems that we're going to see, are you're going to see the FBI's involvement in this matter and what they've done. That's going to be an interesting perspective. 
how this uh, select committee has influenced this and the negative aspect that they've had on it that is just unbelievably rotten as uh, to the core. So there's there's going to be a lot to come, folks, but the, you, you guys are going to flush this out. And I get uh, continued faith in your efforts and the interest of getting to the bottom of the truth. And let's own the truth. Let's talk about what really happened. And let's talk about who's really responsible and hold all responsible parties accountable for their actions. I mean, that should be what actual justice is about. I agree 100%. And Trennis, I'm so glad that you brought that out in the forefront because I myself was there on January 6th. I shot over an hour's worth of footage. I was actually on the second level. I never went inside. I taped some of the violence against police officers, especially when people are trying to drive past a group of police officers in the middle. I watched windows being uh, bashed out. I even tape recorded a sledgehammer being passed up to the quote unquote protesters, which was then handed directly to the police officer. So clearly there are those there that did act unbecoming, even broke the law, but those laws are already on the books. If you assault somebody, there's a charge for that. If you destroy property, there's a charge for that. They have circumvented those traditional charges in many cases and tried to make mountains out of molehills and make that giant leap from those type of minor acts that may get you a misdemeanor or a slap on the wrist to seditious charges of conspiracy in which you may spend the vast majority of the rest of your life in prison, Trennis. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more evident than what, you know, you've seen Joe Biden say recently talking about the MAGA Republicans, talking about the MAGA movement, uh, essentially labeling us as domestic terrorists. Like we were labeled deplorables once before. Um, We've been labeled once again by the Democrat Party. It's what the Democrat Party has, hate and labels. And that's really all we are seeing from them. I don't see much on policy. I don't see much on solution. I don't see much on forward movement. What I see is hate and labels, and it's so the continuation of this, because they're always working on what they have against someone else as opposed to what they have as a platform. And this has just become who they are as a party. I think this is why we see people leaving in droves and saying, look, I can no longer align with this. I'm going to go independent. I'm going to be something else. But the party's left me. Well, you just mentioned Joe Biden, the quote unquote ultra MAGA Republicans. And this is very much a part of the narrative management of January 6th. Now, you shared with us a PowerPoint presentation that in large part discussed a lot of that manipulation and narrative management via social media, Twitter in particular, the boosting of certain terms like white supremacist or capital riot, the really spooky stuff. And now with the release of more and more Twitter files, we find out that the FBI was intertwined with Twitter on many of these aspects, on many levels when it comes to narrative control, especially when it comes to January 6th and these elections via 2020. Well, not only Twitter, as we know now, I mean, we've seen Zuckerberg talk, speak for Facebook, and one would be a fool to assume that the FBI had only involvement in those two major media platforms or social media platforms. We know that they have taken an interest in control 
of all of the media platforms uh, because they had to squash a narrative or had to squash information. What you're looking at there, the slides, this is the work of Condemned USA. This is my organization I founded. And what we've been able to show people here, what you're seeing is the disparity between the interest of certain search topics. And this isn't a polling or this isn't data that has been provided to the people by going out and calling 400 people or sitting down in, you know, at a mall and collecting from 12,000 people. This is the entirety of 86% plus of the internet search data results. This means that when you type something into your browser, Google tracks that and we can show you how that affected the American public. Right. So now you're able to see these hearing dates that you're seeing below there on the screen uh, or beside me, wherever they are. You see these dates and it shows the relevant spikes. Those relevant spikes show you what the select committee did to influence the public and where it got its information. And normally, you know, you'd say, well, this is news or this is media. Just because an article shows up in your local newspaper or because an article comes out on television, on your five o'clock news, whatever you're watching, this doesn't mean that you're going to digest that information. This is how we did things in the past. Well, Condemned USA was able to recognize that through digital data that we had something much stronger than polling. We could determine how people were absorbing their information and what they were absorbing. So let's start with the point that when you type something into your internet browser, whether it's Google or Yahoo or Bing or whoever you use, uh, you know, DuckDuckGo, whatever those are, it records this data and it goes back. And then we're able to see that. And it's we're able to compare that in a value to the 50 states in District of Columbia, which is 51 of these different what they'll call, as you see here, they call these the different subregions. So the subregions are recorded as 51. And the one of the 51 being DC. So we were able to come run a comparative value. So when you search these terms through programs like Google Trends, which are open source data, which is Google's own analytics available to the public, you're able to see this. So we were able to put this together and show these specific spike dates. And if you see there, like hearing date 727 or 69 or 1013, this is when the select committee aired information for the American public, which they were showing about 20 million views on that. However, how people, what, what you have to look at the trickle down or the saturation effect of this, how it flowed through the internet, through social media, et cetera, and it created these spikes. And then you see the disparity between, in this slide we're looking at now, District of Columbia versus Vermont. So what it's saying is that if, a, if 100,000 people looked at this information in the District of Columbia, then only 66,000 people looked at it in Vermont. Well, this is a big problem. Not only is it a big problem, but this information itself that was provided in the Internet through what the FBI was doing to control a narrative and then what the select committee was doing to have a something that's tantamount to a trial and have this information provided to the public as if it's the facts, because there's no meaningful cross-examination. There is no argument to this. It's simply displayed as if there's a court of law, a court sitting, or a congressional court, if you will, because they're not in a legislative capacity, quite honestly, that I didn't see any legislation or even suggestion of which, which makes them an illegitimate committee, because that's not the duty of this branch. So, we get into this whole point. We tie this all back together and we show that not only have they corruptly influenced the people, 
that they have shown them data that was extremely biased, and then they showed them information that made them believe that it was a trial. We could go on and on about this, but this data is available on Condemned USA, and you're going to see this now being filed in dozens of cases across the country in January 6th defendants' cases for change of venue. And this is just 1.0 version you're looking at. So by the end of the year, before the year's out, you're going to see the 2.0 version, Jason, and then by uh, mid-January, you're going to see the, we hope to see the 3.0 version that is a whole other nexus comparing this, and we save the best for last. Well, time and time again, when you look at this chart work, you see that the District of Columbia is on top. In other words, that's where it's searched the most heavily, yet that is a very small geographic location, even compared to, say, the number two there, Maine. Can you explain the significance of that? So the good news is, is this is done on a per capita relative search. And what you're looking at is not even so in D.C., we have a federal district in other states where you have a single federal district then this equates. But what you're going to find is it's even more disparaging in the scenarios to come because we've now have the newest data. You're looking at search data that ends on 121 to, to or begins on 121 and ends at 12, 2022. The last select committee hearing cause these numbers to shift dramatically. And that's what I'm going to be able to show folks on that, that those numbers that you're seeing now where you see 100 and then the next search value is like 40, the next search value on the new slides when after this last select committee hearing has caused such a disparity that you're now seeing that this data is trending towards single digits is the gap. And if you look at the control slides that we have out there, I don't know that we provided them to you here today, but we have control slides. And the American public do this. Put these date ranges in, look for yourself, type something like murder, something pretty harsh, right? And then go type something like ice cream. And what you would normally see in this data is you'll see a relative search value of 100 for one state. The next state will be 98 or 99, and then 97, 97, 96, 95. And you'll get four, five, six, eight values in the 90s. And as it rolls down through the entirety of the states or the subregions as they categorize them here, once you see that, then you can see how disparaging it is to see the difference between Washington, D.C. and these other places. Now, like this, for instance, for the Capitol riot, this one has plummeted um, in the recent search data when we look at the new date of 1227. So, you know, we have to do this for filing sake. So you're looking at what was used for the most recent filings in some of the cases and when you see what's coming in the addendum, what will be addendums to these or amendments, then you're going to see that it's just gone through the roof. But you can see those relevant data spikes. The most controlling data spike that happened is the final select committee hearing where they aired about Donald Trump, but they spoke about the Proud Boys. They spoke about the Oath Keepers. We've pulled the data sets on these as well to see how many times things would have been searched or uh, sorry, spoken in there in the transcripts, like white supremacist or violent mob, you would not believe how many times that this bludgeoning effect has been placed upon the American people. So uh, to create a true psychological effect of the data. Now, this slide's great. Antifa, we all know who Antifa is. The whole of the American public has seen that. But if you look at Antifa in Washington, D.C., where they were highly active, they took great interest in Washington, D.C., they appear at number 48. That means that 47 other states or 47 states ahead of District of Columbia search for that value and they don't hardly exist. 
This is maybe this is why Joe Biden thinks Antifa is a myth. Maybe this is the problem because in Washington, D.C., Antifa just doesn't exist according to how people search. But it's because of the suppression. We can go back to 2017. We can look at other scenarios and I can show you when you had 200 cases of Antifa burning down stuff, throwing rocks, doing the things they did, throwing high explosives January 17, 2020. Those cases were 59 dismissed in the beginning and then they were did the rest of them remainder dismissed and or sealed. And the same thing has happened over and over again. The DOJ seals the cases on Antifa and says, well, there's civil rights cases. These things shouldn't impact these people uh, publicly for the rest of their lives. So they seal the cases. And that way you're not able to see them in a background check because they don't want to hurt the ability of people operating with BLM and Antifa, their ability to get a job while they want to come out and bludgeon the people that were there on January 6, 2021, with the idea of being insurrectionists and seditious to destroy, destroy them financially. We're back to the lowest learner days of what they did to the Tea Party. It's a financial destruction or social terrorism, if you will, by the DOJ. Well, let me assure the audience that Antifa does indeed exist. And I was not only there in January, but I was there in December on the ground covering these Stop the Steal rallies, and there was a heavy presence of Antifa. And in fact, I happened to live stream an interaction between the quote-unquote Proud Boys and the Ultra Magas and the Antifa folks. And guess what? YouTube, which is a part of Google, which is really one of those narrative control mechanisms, Trojan horse civilian systems, deemed it what? Harmful content and pulled it from their site. We're seeing more and more of this. We've got to go to break, but on the other side, we'll be talking about more aspects of January 6th with the founder of CondemnedUSA.com, Trennis Evans. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide an income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We are back. It's Making Sense of the Madness. I am Jason Burmas sitting in for Sean Morgan, and we're talking January 6th with the founder of CondemnedUSA.com. We now have the committee out there suggesting at least three charges to the DOJ for former President Donald Trump, in your opinion, will Donald Trump be charged criminally for any of this? And if so, what does that mean for his possibility at a 2024 run? 
Well, you know, at the bare minimum, they're going to use this as a what we would have referred to at one time as a political mudslinging campaign and drag this straight through the election. You know, rather the the DOJ's, I rather suspect the DOJ's investigation will take probably the majority of the 23 cycle. And then if anything, they'll find a uh, get something in the media that they want to lodge as a complaint or a, a charge, if you will, criminal charges by 24 it would be unprecedented that we see this happen. However, we live in unprecedented times. I agree with these judges that they continue to say these things. Oh, this is unprecedented matter. You're right, because we have never before seen or at least had it be so apparent to the American public where it's on the surface, if you will. It was probably festering well underneath the skin um, like a growth we can't see. But it's now become omnipresent for the American public to see what's really happening here as a political mudslinging campaign. Well, there certainly is that aspect of narrative control and also drawing this out. We're now almost at the three-year anniversary and oftentimes is the case in these large historical events, they continue to play those cards. So are we going to see, as we saw with the Oath Keepers verdicts, more and more verdicts of a shocking nature to people like you and me, but those who aren't really paying attention and have succumbed to the gaslighting of the mainstream media via the narrative of this event are cheering or rooting for this. Will they utilize that? Yeah, so they're absolutely going to use this. I mean, this has been shown to be a political tool. And if the Republicans show a spine when they now have control of the House, even though a weak control, they do have control. If they show a spine, um, I'm working currently with numerous people that I wish I could tell you more about what's coming. But I can tell you that come January and February, if the Republicans do their job, they've been armed with information by people like myself and the other investigators. You mentioned earlier the 14,000 hours. The 14,000 hours is no mystery to me. I've been in possession of the 14,000 hours operation, uh, as we call it, uh, for you know well over a year with the ability to look behind the scenes as we've represented over 50 of the January 6th defendants through Condemned USA in one form or another, which gave us access to discovery. The Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes contacted me in August and said, hey, I need help. We need more help. Uh, we were talking with NCLU. We were talking with organizations. There was a collaborative of efforts from StopHate.com, myself at Condemned USA and the people that work with me uh, working together in conjunction to flush out the truth and get new attorneys and get people involved. Uh, I just you know, had very little faith, as did Stuart and his current counsel. We saw the uh, ramifications of that when Stuart Rhodes asked for new counsel and asked and said he had lost faith in his counsel and Linda and Bright and asked to move over and went to Tarpley, Ed Tarpley from Louisiana. Ed Tarpley had a lot of ideas, and unfortunately that was overshadowed by the bludgeoning effect, in my opinion, of Linda and Bright. While they all seemed to have the opinion that there was, they worked well together, and there was, uh, I know James Bright, I believe it was, that said, uh, pardon me if I'm wrong, James, you know, James Bright made the statement that the trial was very fair which was interesting, but this is the same guy that didn't want to go after prosecutorial misconduct by withholding evidence. And the real sadness of this, as we've talked about this before in your shows, but the deprivation of the constitutional rights of these individuals on trial. I don't disagree that people should stand trial for crimes or if there's a suspicion of a crime, that's what our criminal justice system is about. But the idea that Stuart Rhodes committed seditious conspiracy by being there and this quick reaction force is absurd. But you had things happening in these cases, uh, James, I'm sorry, that were just disgusting, where you had 
a gun or guns brought into the big black ugly guns were brought into the courtroom and said, had they have wanted to file an insurrection or form an insurrection and bring their firearms, this is what the firearms would have looked like. It's absolutely absurd. They didn't violate any firearms rules. They followed all the laws. They left their firearms in Virginia. They had a right to bring those there. Stuart Rhodes absolutely had a right to file with his attorney or to file a grievance with his president and say, I think you should file the Insurrection Act. Call on us, Mr. President. We're behind you. And Mr. And Donald Trump had that choice to make and he decided not to make it. Well, that's the way it is. And and in that respect, they followed the law. And the video evidence exists of the Oath Keepers actually entering to help police. Yet here we are filing charges of seditious conspiracy, which is the first wrong. And then a judge placing his thumb on the scale and creating this scenario where a guilty verdict comes out. When Meta was absolutely a horrible biased judge and he made numerous biased statements on the record. You're now seeing what's coming as the Proud Boys trial. We have uh, Dominic Pozzola that we're working with on the legal advocacy end for Dominic Pozzola and working with his attorneys. The NCLU has, again, jettisoned some attorneys into this. Uh, Condemned USA has picked up the tab for a lot of the ongoing problem or need for the attorneys and brought in for housing and payments, et cetera, to get them involved, which is more part of the fundraising need that we have. We keep putting this money out there and very little is coming back in. I'm upside down in this organization over $100,000, but that's another story. So what you're about to see in the Proud Boys trial, judge, uh, the judge here that continues to say, Kelly, hey, show me proof, show me data, show me that the select committee has an effect on this. Well, this data that changed that has, uh, Condemned USA has lodged for the change of venue information is the data that Judge Kelly is asking for. So if he truly means it and he truly wants to take a meaningful look into whether or not the select committee or the D.C. jury pool is biased, then he will utilize this information, take note of it, and see that it's the publicly available facts, and we will see something come of that. But if not, we'll see yet another failed system of the criminal justice system operation in D.C., finding a bunch of people guilty of horrendous crimes that they are not guilty of. Now, I'm curious, via discovery, is there any possibility that you will be able to get the identification or perhaps the number of FBI agents that were on the scene, FBI assets or informants that were on the scene and working with law enforcement. Obviously, we have the now infamous Ray Epps incident. I would say that's probably the tip of the iceberg. Is there any hope of us ever finding out, especially with this new 20 years or maybe not ever, finding out what information that these people on the committee had? Can we do that legally right now? Yeah. So let me let me point you to this. If Congress will do their job and subpoena people like me who have seen and accessed the 14,000 hours and subpoena that information, if they will do their job. Um, I'm, 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 I'm so hopeful that we have people like Chip Roy, Congressman Nels, some of these people, MTG, Matt Gates, subpoena me. Subpoena those of us that have been investigating this. Let us bring to you the information. Let us bring to you what we've seen in the 14,000 hours. Let us bring to you the information. So when you talk about the FBI, I can assure you, it's not only the FBI that we should be taking an interest in and their involvement, three-letter agencies, people like uh, what is alleged by Pete Santilli to be Dan P. Love and others that we certainly have great, great information going there. 
when you see what we've seen and we're able to provide you the flag movements, the movements of the people, this when red smoke goes off, what happens? When you see about what happened with their, why were these people already inside the Trump supporters inside already there? Who put them there? How did that happen? When you see what we've seen and the American public gets to see it, the only way that's going to happen is if Congress really does something meaningful meaningful, and subpoenas people like me, David Summerall at Stop Hate, uh, Gary McBride, M5 News, Tommy Tatum. There's so many people that have so much information and they just keep coming. They're there and they've been dumping this information, some of them to Congress in a meaningful way with, the, with open source data. And when they get their hands on what we've been able to see, you're going to be disgusted. When I show you things like a man standing on his knees with his hands up saying, stop, stop. Okay. We don't want, you know, not, I'm not violent. Don't do anything. And you see officers emerge forward from the line and place a downward strike with a fist into the bridge of the nose of somebody on their knees with their hands up. You're going to see that and you're going to be appalled by what you see America. And that's just the beginning. If you see the tunnel footage and you see what we've recorded there, the information from the body cam footage and how people responded and what happened. And you see what happened to Roseanne from a different angle that you haven't seen yet. And you see what happened to others in that tunnel and the witness what they did, as well as the verb verbiage of these people. I'm telling you now, they lied to you about the movement of Roseanne Boylan's body. Officer Gannell, you lied on the stand and you lied in front of Congress in your congressional testimony. Is that why you're in South America now in the Dominican Republic? Officer Fanon, you also lied to the American public. You're an absolute liar. You were never drug out down the steps. You were never drugged 250 feet from the Capitol. At most, you were 15 feet from the Capitol, and you were never drugged anywhere. That's a lie. You lied on the stand. We've got you dead to the rights, and we have the video. We have your body cam footage, and we see you faking it, and we see your eyes opening and closing from other body cams that you guys at the DOJ missed. You guys in Congress thought we wouldn't get, but we've got them. We have the evidence and wait till we show it to you. I wish I could play it for you here because the American public would be disgusted. And, and Officer Dunn, you're a liar too. You've lied to the American public. Now, let's not be wrong. There are people that mishandled these people. There are people that abused them. There's people that assaulted them in some of these cases, and they should be held accountable for what they did. But you didn't, you went well further than embellishment. You absolutely lied, and you damn well know you did. I have everything. We've got your medical records. We've got the whole nine yards. Wait till the American people get to see it. I can't release that here to you today, but meaningful congressional testimonies. We'll put that out there for the American public to see. And I look forward to you standing up and explaining how you said all of this under oath and you lied in people's cases that sent them to prison. I'm looking forward to the day of reckoning for that. Well, we certainly have to remain hopeful that you indeed will be subpoenaed by one of the individuals that you name. But what happens if you're not subpoenaed? Is there a limitation? Um, can we get past these trials and eventually you go public with this information or will you be unable to do so? Well, I could have, I guess, if I chose to be a Julian Assange and be sought after by my country and, you know, be in another country, living abroad, uh, away from my family and going through the kind of thing that Assange went through, possibly, but that's not my choice. I'm going to abide by the law. I'm going to operate within the law. I'm going to use the information I have in a lawful manner. And um, I, But I can tell you what I've seen and my opinion of that data and ask for my congressmen and senators to have a meaningful investigation into this matter. And, I, and here's the thing. It's really simple. Put me under oath. Let me go on the stand. And I don't even need to. The saddest thing is I don't even need to testify. 
I simply provide you the information of the people that have investigated this. Subpoena us and, and collect our data and then share it with the American public. Let them see, as the select committee did, the truth. And let's own the truth from both sides. We're only owning the truth from one side and then we're embellishing or ratcheting it up. But we're not owning the truth and sharing it from the other side. And these are the facts. And like I said, I've stood under oath. I stood in a court of law recently uh, at sentencing for my case and explained these things to the judge. It's there. It's on the record. And I challenge people to go and take a look at it. I mean, I have the transcripts. I'll be happy to share it. We can go over that. But it's a fact. I said it in a court of law under the penalty of perjury. And why am I still walking around if I'm wrong? But you're going to see this, America. And when you see it, you're going to be sorely disappointed that you didn't do more to get behind the efforts of the people that are going through this, because it is so disgusting what you're going to find out. It's been just another case of how the three-letter agencies in your government has lied to you. CondemnedUSA.com is the website. We have to take a break. But after this, we're going to talk the January 5th pipe bomber and much more with Trennis Evans. Stay tuned. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance, and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices, We'd love to have you on board. We are back. It's making sense of the madness. And one of the largest red flags, in my opinion, that we have not been told the truth about January 6th is the infamous January 5th pipe bomber that although this took place in one of the most heavily surveilled places on the planet, we still have no suspects or arrests in that regard. Trennis, what are your thoughts on the pipe bomber from January 5th? So let's talk about that. So think about this. This pipe bomber is wearing some very descript tennis shoes. They're unusual tennis shoes. I had the model of them here at one time in my head, but I'd, I'd have to kind of pull that data together. I actually sat with the FBI and suggested to them, why aren't we looking at all the bus footage? Why aren't we looking at all the cameras in the area? I mean, you're talking about the most heavily surveilled area in the country. Yes, you're correct. Why are we not tracking those movements of this person and then the shoes? Well, and this is our opinion of this. I think you're going to find in, uh, at best that the inter information that's going to come out on this pipe bomber is going to be a foreign actor. I think that's going to be a foreign mercenary that's going to come from another country that's going to be someone that has worked with Blackwater, Blackrock, one of these organizations. And that's where I suspect this will lead us. They don't think that they would have utilized somebody from the FBI or one of their agents or uh, somebody that's being essentially handled 
I think that's what you're going to find in that scenario. And I don't think it's a matter of somebody that's a part of BLM or Antifa. I do think that that's why we can't get to the answer. It makes the most sense at this point. And furthermore, when you look at the pipe bomber scenario, there's some really interesting context in that, that when you see why, if they didn't show up exactly at the time they showed up, or you look at the, how the timer was set, when it was set to go off, that they showed up just in the nick of time. And it's so amazing how the reports are written on this. So that's a, a whole nother conversation we'd have to have a kind of a more of a deep dive into. But the information doesn't add up to truth. And I think you're going to see a similar scenario to the Whitmer situation in Michigan, where you have the FBI controlled scenarios. But this is all going to go back to Dan Tuano just resigns in November after the election, talks about resigning, talks about potential retirement. The election doesn't go the Democrats way. And now you're going to have these meaningful investigations. But Dan Tuano is a very interesting character himself. He's now, remember, he's the field office director in D.C. at the time of January 6th. He's also the field, the FBI field office director in Michigan during the Whitmer scenario and gets promoted in October just ahead of January 6th. Well, my, it's our belief that the FBI was already in planning and preparation for what's to come. Additionally, you have to look back at D'Antuano's work and what he was doing as a financial analyst back around the time of 9-11. Whole nother story I've taken a little bit of a dive into and others have as well. I think you're going to be disgusted to see how close and where the training comes from for D'Antuano in the subvert actions or covert actions of the FBI and how they've operated. Don't forget that we lost trillions of dollars we couldn't account for just before 9-11. And you have FBI financial analysts out there. So D'Antuano is not going to turn out to be a, a hero of the United States. He's going to be turn out to be one of these dirty, creepy DNC operatives uh, of the FBI, in my opinion. Well, I would certainly agree with you that history has shown us that they use plausible deniability in these operations. And it is more than likely that this will be a foreign actor or mercenary. Going into a little bit more speculation, do you think that this was put into place in case they did not get the effect and reaction that they wanted at the Capitol? Obviously, the type of security that was at the Capitol was lax. We have Trump himself asking for the National Guard and seemingly being denied. Was this a plan B? Look, I, I really hate to speculate on matters. I, I, I see where you're going, and I like the train of thought. You're not wrong, okay? So here's I'm, I'm going to go as far as this. You're going to tell me that the uh, intelligence agency with the most apparatus for uh, surveilling the American public, for utilizing investigative tools in this country that exists in the United States, supposedly, or is supposed to be, that they don't have the ability to track this person. I mean, if this would have been a Trump supporter, I'm telling you that they would have known where they bought the shoes, at what time, how long ago. I mean, it's amazing what they would have on this already. But like I said, I sat with the FBI and discussed this matter and said, well, I don't understand. Why aren't we looking at this? You're looking at the shoes, tracking it down. But they just didn't do it. Um, or they, if they've done it, they didn't want a meaningful investigation or haven't provided it to the public. Either way, I wouldn't be shocked. But, yeah, the plausible deniability scenario is probably the likely cause of this. And yeah, I believe that, again, you will find that that's a foreign actor that's going to be there for the American people to see eventually if the Republicans do their job when they get in, which is my biggest fear. I'm not going against McCarthy. I'm not going against the president on his choice. I'm, I have my obvious question about the choices and I can't understand a lot of these things. However, having worked with his attorneys and other attorneys 
I can assure you that there's going to be at least information come one way or the other, whether it's Congress or the American people. Well, because you briefly discussed the war on terror, the missing trillions, one of the things that was a stark anomaly at the time being at the Capitol and being at the Ellipse prior to going to the Capitol was that if you see something say something rhetoric that used to be there. And what do I mean by that? In order to get past the ellipse and into security and watch the Trump speech, you had to disregard your backpacks. So this in turn literally had hundreds, if not thousands of unsearched backpacks that could have been terrorist bombs, Trennis. (laughs) that were just sitting there. And we had been trained that, oh my God, somebody left luggage or a bag that could be a tool of terrorism. When in fact, the night before, someone had actually been planting pipe bombs. It was barely discussed in the mainstream media. And by midday, I was getting text after text and phone call after phone call that I was witnessing an insurrection. And that wasn't what I was seeing at all. In fact, although there was some vast, uh, you know, minor violence and there were people breaking the law, as you said, for the most part, it seemed like a Dave Matthews band concert for middle aged to elderly grandmas. I mean, that's the type of insurrection they're trying to sell us on. So in the final segment on the other side, I want to discuss that reality and how people can support you over at Condemned USA. We're talking to Trennis Evans. We're talking January 6th. It's Making Sense of the Madness. Stay with us. trust and should you the small untrustworthy group of people who own and control almost every industry hope you will not even entertain the questions let alone put in the time to explore the answers these two volumes of the world awakens are an encyclopedia of trusted sources who give their honest overview of our real history the world today and what lies ahead Get The World Awakens, Volume 1 and 2, signed by author John Michael Chambers for only $50 each. Or bundle the two and add Genocide Jab, all three signed hardbacks for $120. Order today at fnews.us. For unsigned and all other formats, visit Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Welcome back to the final segment of Making Sense of the Madness. I am Jason Burma, setting in for Sean Morgan, and I want to get into narrative versus reality on January 6th. The narrative is there was a violent insurrection by Trump supporters and white supremacists and people ready to start a civil war, yet the reality that I saw is you had a QAnonsense shaman taking selfies and stopping people from stealing muffins out of congressional offices. Talk about that stark contrast via the narrative we're being sold and the reality on the ground. 
Look, I mean, there's countless videos out there to show you people's actions. There's countless videos out there to show you the what they call bad actors. And I hate the bad actors term. Bad actors are the people in the movies and those B movies. But uh, the uh, the people that really took part in the what, you know, anything that would be tantamount to an insurrection or file a nexus toward that would be the people that I believe or we believe are FBI or foreign actors. And these are going to be your plausible deniability people, as you mentioned before. There's people pulling people in the building with the earpieces on. There's countless instances where we see these actors doing these certain, these acts that are very questionable to say the least, but better yet. Well, like you mentioned Jacob Chonsley and him uh, telling people not to steal muffins. There's the same, same thing time and again. Countless people saying, don't break, don't harm, don't damage, don't steal in one respect or another. Or somebody's carrying around a painting. There were people that did really stupid stuff. You know, and this is that herd mentality or men's rainy thing that we have seen work uh, over and over in defenses for Antifa and BLM. Well, everybody was doing it. And this is why we were, you know, looting the store. But going back to that, you're going to see that, that these things, most of the people there, including myself, I mean, I'm on video saying, don't break, don't damage, don't harm. So we back the blue and support the police. But yet nobody seemed to care. Their focus was that somebody drank a shot of whiskey or somebody looked out a window and waved or someone waved triumphantly. These are the kind of statements that they're making and to make their case. And this is all that they have on the majority of these people. Or you were there and you chanted USA. This is the definition of demonstration. This is exactly what a demonstrator does. They chant something. They say something. They don't beat anyone. They don't destroy things. They're not looting or robbing. And that is 97% of the cases before us right now. You only have 130 some odd people charged with any kind of violence or destruction. The rest of these people are all charged with what would be demonstration, but yet we're not labeling it that. We're labeling it insurrection. And I've said this time and again, the most armed populace on the face of the country, the conservative group that we're talking about, this is the most armed populace. We own the most firearms, but yet we didn't bring them. We didn't show up with them. We came with megaphones and sandwiches and, you know, a six pack of six or a beer in the in a backpack. They didn't come with armament. They came to protest, to demonstrate. And that's a scary thought that they're being able, they're able to create this. And they try and attach you to this violent mob scenario when really only a few people were really responsible for those acts. And even this, then still, many of them were responding to violence that the police perpetrated themselves. You have the MPD is one of the agencies that has lost the most money for civil rights violations to demonstrators in the country. They have been responsible for, they've lost some $30 million in the last decade in lawsuits. It's interesting to me that all of a sudden, when it's the conservative base or Republicans or Trump supporters, whatever you want to call them, that all of a sudden the MPD is holistically right and the demonstrator is holistically wrong. And you just look at the ACLU's cases that have been filed against the MPD over the last decade, and you'll see um, just January 20th of uh, 2017, you would see that they lost $4.8 million on those cases alone and how they treated demonstrators. Well, I feel like they are going after anybody who goes outside of their narrative. And part of that narrative control was to not acknowledge that this was a large scale protest that is in the spirit of free speech, in the spirit of assembling to redress grievances when what? Our government refuses to do so. 
So in this final segment, what else would you like to get across about January 6th and these remaining trials to the audience? Look, if we if, if the people don't, you, you have to have the court of public opinion these days to get anything done and uh, put the pressure on the courts legally, lawfully by the public opinion being out there. We need help, guys. We need fundraising help. There's people, if you, you know, if you're worried about giving to an organization, fine. There's plenty of people. Dominic Pozzola, uh, D-O-M-I-N-I-C-P-E-Z-Z-O-L-A, needs help with his fundraising, significant help. I mean, they've attached him to this seditious conspiracy of the Proud Boys. He joined the organization after watching what was happening in the streets, watching Republicans or conservatives being beaten as they showed up to peacefully carry flags or demonstrate in their in their capital city or, or uh, in their cities alone. These are the type of people that they're charging with seditious conspiracy and they're facing 20 years. They need help. And what we found, I mean, you find the DOJ using the same statement from a camera that someone says, yeah, we did this or yeah, we did that against multiple people. Well, only one guy said it. So which one is it? They've already found someone's already pled guilty to it. Yeah, you're using it in a case against somebody. There's so many problems here and these people need help. But the silence of the American people is causing this to be able to be perpetrated against your fellow Americans. You have to say something. You need to start writing letters. You need to actually do something. And I know that people say, well, it doesn't help. It does help. It does. It is a weight. It's a weight on the scale. No, it's not going to be the individual weight that moves the scale the way we need it to move. But it is a part of the weight that we need there. And if you don't place that weight on the scale. So fundraising, we need help. CondemnedUSA.com has a give, send, go account that you can donate to us. We have other methods of donation we can share with you uh, at another time. But there is on our website, there are other organizations that need help. There are organizations that give directly to them. There's the American Gulag Chronicles. is a new organ, uh, not a new organization. is a new book out, and it has letters and artwork from the prisoners. Um, and keep in mind, folks, if you're questioning what I'm saying, just go and look at the Fifth Circuit case that I have filed in the federal district, the Fifth Circuit, against this uh, select committee. They fraudulently altered timestamps, a video of me, of a statement I was reading because it was a statement and not because they were after me. They were after Trump, right? And after Trump to keep him from protecting all of us or working in our benefit. But that case proves right there the evidence. We have video evidence showing that they fraudulently altered timestamps in the select committee. And we filed a temporary restraining order. And they have since removed my name and likeness from all of their video and don't show me anymore as they did in the initial showing Jan, uh, June 9th of, uh, of 22. So these things are happening. We can prove it. It's not a matter of please believe me and there's some secret uh, door you can't see behind a lot of these doors you can see right behind the curtain and see what's happening for yourself. And we just ask you to take a look at that information, let it be meaningful and understand it, and then say, wow, these people are telling me the truth. He's telling me the truth over here, telling me the truth over here, and help us out. CondemnedUSA.com needs fundraising. I have a new book coming out about this, and uh, we're waiting. The reason it's not out now is we're waiting because I'm hoping that once Congress finishes me, I can tell a lot more. So we actually have two books coming on that that I've written that are going to be out for you in the spring and summer this year. Uh, we're going to expose this information, what we can, and I'm hoping that we're able to expose so much more through those people. Attorney generals could do something about this. Write your attorney general. Damn it, if you're in Texas, you sure as heck better be writing your attorney general, writing Ken Paxton. I have 14 digital billboards up around the state right now, bringing it to the table that due process violations were 
violated and these people were improperly arrested, not only arrested this way, but they were abducted and kidnapped by the FBI by the letter of the law. And so they're going to have to admit to using the Patriot Act on peaceful American citizens and justify that, or then they're going to have to show that they unlawfully arrested these people. But we're still waiting on Ken Paxton to show up. Don't know where he is. Well, I'm so glad that you talked about writing that letter because I feel like we come from a culture of learned helplessness where those at the top, the predator class, want us to feel like we have no power. And unfortunately, we're in this culture of instant gratification where if we do something, we want an immediate reaction. We want it to work. But that's not the way the world actually works. And we have to continue to push pile on and do what we can, because as individuals, we do have great power. But as individuals coming together, perhaps we can get our voice heard. You mentioned the book. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that book and where you think we're going to be a year from now on the cusp of not 2023, but 2024? If the Republicans do their job, I've always said since the beginning that my goal in this was to expose the truth. And I've come to the conclusion that what we're going to do is we're going to take January 6th and the DNC and the Democrat narrative, and we're going to take it like a snow globe. and We're going to shake it and turn it upside down. It's going to fall back all over them if that's where we get to. You know, the Brunson case is an example of one man doing something extraordinary. An individual, the Brunson brothers, you know, they've all filed their cases. The Brunson cases are fine examples of the American public having an ability to do something. And if people need to be writing the letters to the Supreme Court on that, that's out there. You know, I'm sure Juan's been on this show and many others on your network talking about that. So that information about writing the letters on there. But what we've done in this is, you know, we filed this case and this isn't one man. This is a group of us that have done this and worked together filing these cases against the select committee. We want to bring them to justice. We want to bring them to justice in places like Texas. Let them come over here and have a taste of their own medicine of trying to have these trials like when they want to do in Washington, D.C. Let's I would say Texas would be a very fair environment. Let's have the Democrats over here and let's have them on trial here for their actions. I think that's beautiful. And we do this through diversity jurisdiction. But what you were saying, to your point, people can do something. On my sites, I regularly post on Getter and Twitter. It's Trina Sevens at Condemned USA and then Condemned USA at Trina Sevens on Twitter. Uh, If you look there, we have posted there. It's a quick link. It literally, in one minute's time, you link there, you write your attorney general, it gives you the link to your attorney general, and you can write it. Write your congressman. Let them know. They have to know that the American people care because if they can believe this isn't going to get them any votes or it's not going to be a next, it's not going to be out there as a focal point, then they'll just move on from it because it doesn't serve their interests politically. And that's the way it works, folks. It has to serve their interests politically, or they have to know that there's accountability from their constituents. And you are the constituents. I can't do this without you. We, the people, have to do this together. That's me, you, everybody in this nation. We, the people, work together to make sure that the people that we elected to represent us understand the voice that we carry and get that to the Amer- to our elected officials or leadership, as they like to call them. And right now they're looking a little less official and a little less leadership-like But in many cases. But there are some that are showing courage. Chip Roy is showing courage. Uh, Congressman Nels is showing courage. MTG, Matt Gates, they have shown courage. But you need to lean into all areas. You need to lean into those attorney generals in your state. You need to lean into those congressmen. Write those letters. It literally takes a minute to go on there. You can cut and paste your statement to each one of them. 
condemnedusa.com is the website. Trennis, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, this is an issue that goes well beyond the left and right paradigm, in my opinion. This is one where we must stand up for everybody involved because they're coming after your rights. Doesn't matter if you're a liberal, a conservative, a Democrat, or a Republican. They want to criminalize things that are outside of their great narrative on the way to their very real global predator class, great reset, repackage, new world order agenda. I am Jason Burmis. This is Making Sense of the Madness. Thank you so much for joining us.